weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker. of individuals in this body that feel called to share the word of God from a pulpit all of us are called to share some are called to share from the pulpit and um, I've engaged these individuals and given them an opportunity to come up and share each one is going to be given five minutes okay to share what God has put on their heart when that five minutes is over they're going to sit down and the next one's going to pop up here okay and, and so, um, how many believe that God speaks to all of us if we'll listen? And, and so, I, I, I want to hear what God is also speaking to those individuals that are part of this body that, um, that don't often get a chance to share in this pulpit. So, first man up is Andrew. He's, oh, there he is. Come on, Andrew. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Go to Genesis chapter 17. If you have your Bibles. And then uh, I'm going to start at verse 17. And uh, while you're going there, I'm just going to kind of build you up to it. Uh, This is the point where uh, God establishes covenant with Abraham, where he tells him to circumcise all the males in his household. And... uh, he says that he's making a covenant with him. And if, you, if you're aware at this point, Isaac hasn't been born yet. All right, so I just want to get there. Okay, so verse 17, it says, Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? And can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. All right. I can relate a lot to this about Abraham when I was when I was in uh, ministry in the past I was working for a ministry like this and I had these these beliefs that of things that God wanted me to achieve but I couldn't see it coming to pass in the natural when I was there and so I quit because I got the mentality that if 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 this was really going to happen, if, if God's vision was going to come to pass, I was going to actually have to do something. You know, like, like God needed my help to accomplish his will for my life. And I left full-time ministry to wait tables at the Waffle House. You know, I was like, this is how, this is how I'm going to do it, or, you know, and then it, then it turned, then it got twisted. It was like, well, this is how God wants me to do it. I'm going to wait tables at the Waffle House, you know, because I was making better money there than I was in ministry. 
Needless to say, long story short, nothing came about of it. Nothing came to pass of it. Nothing spiritual, nothing of God came to pass of it. Although, I do feel like God blessed me a little bit. I was a pretty good waiter. I did fairly well in tips for a guy at the Waffle House. You know. But, nothing came to pass of it. And Abraham, you see him doing the same thing. Can a 100-year-old man, can a 90-year-old woman, can they really make a child? Can you just, can you just go ahead and accept Ishmael? And I believe a lot of times the church wants to just accept Ishmael instead of allowing to have Isaac, the promise, the covenant in their life. All right. Satan did a very similar thing with Jesus in the wilderness. He said, all these kingdoms were given unto me, I will give to you. You know, that's what Jesus actually came on this earth for. But... There was, there was something else that had to be done. And Jesus, thank God, right? He said no. He had, a lot of times Ishmael will try to get you to accomplish maybe part of God's plan separate from the cross. Separate from the process that God wants to put you through. All right? And something else that I came to realize as I was reading this, if you read further on, Ishmael had 12 sons, which were the 12 tribes of, I don't know, the Ishmaelites. Let's go with that. All right. Then Isaac only had two. And then it wasn't until Jacob came around that the 12 tribes of Israel came forth. And the Lord showed me that sometimes we get deceived when we do chase after Ishmael because we get a few things. We, you know, it happened. Some of the things came to place quicker, you know. The 12 tribes of the Ishmaelites, they came forth quicker than the 12 tribes of Israel. So we get deceived in thinking that, hey, maybe this is, that we get deceived in thinking, hey, maybe this is what God has called us to do. But in reality, if you look further down the line, I believe the descendants of Ishmael are currently having problems in, with the, the Palestinians. They were descendants of Ishmael, I believe. And they're having current wars and stuff over the land of Israel right now to, to this day that we speak. So, so... It might, it, you might get something from it. God might bless it a little bit, but it wasn't the fullness. If you want to experience the fullness of covenant, you've got to be willing to go through the fullness of the process to receive the covenant. Amen? There's my five minutes. Three hundred seconds. That's what we got. Three hundred seconds. I'm going to talk to you about trouble. Has anybody been in trouble before? Is anybody in trouble now? Come on. Somebody's got to be in trouble. I'm in trouble now. Come on, let's just be honest. So, all right. So I'm going to talk to you about trouble for 300 seconds or 278. Uh, maybe, you have, maybe you're in trouble because you did something or you didn't do something. Maybe you're in trouble because you have a financial crisis. Maybe you're in trouble because you have a relationship mess. Maybe you just got a mess in a relationship. Maybe you have trouble with business problems. I can raise my hand on that one. Uh, maybe you have a serious health problem and, and you're in trouble with it. Maybe you have children that are wild. That's, that's, that's trouble. Uh, maybe
Maybe, uh, maybe you've considered suicide. Do you know you're in trouble if you consider that? You're in more trouble if you do it, but you're in trouble if you consider it. You know, maybe you've lost hope there. Maybe you're, maybe you're consumed with fear, anxiety, and stress. You know, that could put you right in trouble. Put you in trouble with your health, for sure. Maybe you got trouble with uh, drugs or alcohol. I'm sure nobody in here has had that. Maybe you have trouble because you're really lonely. You know that's not good? God doesn't desire for you to be lonely like that. So if there was something simple you could do to get out of trouble and to not, God would prefer you don't get in trouble, but if you're in trouble, he wants you to get out of it as soon as possible. What about if there was one thing you could do? Go ahead and put my scripture up. Yeah. And this is my verse. You can't have it, but you can get your own. This is my verse in the Bible, because I remember the day that God opened this verse to me, and it became mine. And it's helped me every step along the way. Whenever I get in trouble, I remember this verse. Uh, you know, it, in the first part of the verse, it says, because he has set his love upon me. Now that, you got to personalize this, or you're not going to understand what it's saying. So I'm going to read it from a personal standpoint. It says, because you have set your love, you, John, have set your love upon him, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high. I'm just going to talk to John the rest of the time. Oh, can't do that. Uh, I will set you on high because you have known my name. You shall call upon me when you're in trouble. You call upon him. And I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. So he's going to be with you all the time, John. He's always going to be with you when you're in trouble. You, you, maybe I got that one backwards. You will deliver me. In other words, God is going to deliver you from trouble. And, and honor you. He's going, to, he's, he's going to honor you because you set your love upon him. With long life. So now you can even judge how long you're going to live. To a point. He'll satisfy you, John. And then he'll show you his salvation. Now, you know, I, I was thinking about this a little bit. And I thought, you know, we have, we have trouble in our life. When trouble comes, if we would set our love upon him. In other words, we set our affection on him. We set our hopes, our dreams, our kids if you get, if you're a parent, you got to set your kids on this, because otherwise you're gonna have a you're gonna have a heartache all your life. Uh, if if you have your affection on God more than your wife, than your kids, than your hopes, your dreams, your habits, uh, you got to set that affection so strong that every time you get in trouble, if you get in trouble, uh, like I did this morning, I got in trouble this morning. I never do this, but I. I got all dressed, I was ready to go, and I never look in a big mirror. I don't know, when you get over 50, you don't look in the mirror that often when you're a guy, you just don't do it. So here I am, I, I looked in the mirror, I stood back like this, I looked at myself, I thought, man, you're in trouble. <laughs> your head is too small for your body. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That's the first thought that went through my head. I thought, oh no, there's nothing you can do about that, all right? So, praise the Lord. When you get in trouble, my time up. When you get in trouble, remember, you've got to set your heart 
you can do this ahead of time. Set your heart, set your mind, put your, all your affection on God. He's the only one that can take you out of trouble. Amen? younger and I've seen these guys wearing their glasses on the end of their nose. I always wonder, would they do that? Yeah. Mystery solved. <laughs> now I know. You either got bifocals or you wear them on the end of your nose, you know. Praise God. Alright, I, I, I want to talk about three keys to being victorious in every situation. Every situation. Paul And, and pastor, I thought he was going to preach part of my sermon because he talked about situations and you know, there's sometimes you're going to be able to feel God, we love those times other times you're not going to be able to feel it, but you're still going to be in a situation and, and, and Paul has uh, three keys here right, that, uh, that he gives, and Paul was no stranger to situations he was no stranger to, to troubles you know, a lot of people think when you get saved your troubles are over Paul would say, my trouble began when I got knocked off the mule on the road to Damascus. You know, till then, Paul, Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You know, if they had a Pharisee of the month, Paul was a Pharisee every month. He was the Pharisee of the month every month. He was young, he was smart, he was aggressive, he was educated. But when he got saved, everything turned around, and here comes the persecution, here comes the situations. He, said, he says in the 6th chapter of Galatians, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, and, and the Bible bears that out. It said five times he received 40 stripes minus one. Three times they beat him with wooden rods. He was stoned at Lystra. He was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a half floating in the open ocean. So Paul knows about what he's talking about. And here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he says this. He says, these are the three things that you do. And what I like about Paul, Paul, you know, some, some, you know, they say you need to practice what you preach. Paul practiced what he preached. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You're going to find yourself in situations. Life is not easy. And our enemy is relentless. But through all the things that Paul suffered and through all the things that you suffered, if you'll just keep on rejoicing, keep on, don't never stop talking to Dad. Keep talking to him and keep giving thanks. You don't give thanks for what you're going through, but you give thanks because God is with you. You've got somebody. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And you've got somebody to go with you. I, I like how it says in the New Living Translation, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Or, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Because if you continue to do these things in spite of your circumstances, the devil's toast. I'm just going to tell you that. And he knows it. And he knows it. Always remember that you're not fighting 
for victory. You're fighting from, from victory because Jesus has already won the victory on the cross. Think about it. Before you ever got saved, you were victorious already. He had already won the victory for you. He's already paid the price for everything that you'll ever need. So Jesus has set you up to be a winner. You've got a really a, a, an advantage. You've got like an unfair advantage over the enemy, but he doesn't want you to know that. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 15, having disarmed principalities and power, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Isaiah 54 and 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He didn't say that any weapon would not be formed against you, but he said it wouldn't prosper. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us in Daniel 7 and 25, the enemy's goal in the last days is to wear you out. You know, you, you hear people say, if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, and it seems like sometimes it just keeps coming and coming and coming. But you know what? His, his goal in the last days is to wear you out. But if you'll stick to your weapons, wear your armor, and stand your ground, he's done. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against God. Praise God. That's all right. Hallelujah. Let's quickly pray, church. God. There's something going on here this morning, and we thank you for it. There's obviously one spirit at work here, and we appreciate that. We thank you for the chance to come in here and, and share what you're speaking to us. And as I unburden my heart with this, Lord, just uh, let it be you and not me. Amen. All right. It's going to be Isaiah 41, verses 10 and 13. In the interest of time, I'll go ahead and read it. It should be, okay, yeah. Uh, do not fear, here's what the Bible says Do not fear, for I am with you Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God I will strengthen you, surely I will help you Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand For And skip on down to verse 13 It says, for I am the Lord your God Who upholds your right hand, who says to you Do not fear, I will help you Do not fear, fear not, I am with you That's all you get That's all he says Fear not, I'm with you. You know, Joshua and Gideon love that. Joshua said, are we really going to go with the walking around and the shouting thing? And Gideon's like, so we're going with pitchers and trumpets. God said, yeah. For I am with you. What else do you need? If you, if you don't know, my oldest daughter just moved back up here because of her first pregnancy and the ability of Megan and I to help them out with that and get her back and forth to the doctor and things like that so Thursday we were down in Steubenville at a fundraiser and things were going as normal and Haley calls and says that, that she's bleeding we're going to have to take her to the hospital fear not for I'm with you and that's what we went with on this Megan goes in the store and buys something I don't even remember what it was a couple little items 
cashier looks at her and says, it's 612. It's the beginning of the passage of the armor of God. She comes out and hands me the receipt and says, look at this. 612, they call and tell us there's a heartbeat on the ultrasound. They still don't know a whole lot else, but the baby is alive. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And if you go down to verse 14, it says, stand firm. And that's what we went with in this. And we went in, it was a few hours before we could get there because at this point they didn't really tell us that things were that serious. But things took a serious turn later on. But Megan and I didn't rattle and we went in there. And I put my hands on Haley's belly and I said, God, you have plans for this child. You have plans for a future. You have plans to prosper it. And that's what we're going with right here. And no weapon formed against it or Haley will prosper. And that's what I spoke out. That's what I released over her. And God moved. There were hours that morning. There were three hours that they took Haley's blood. And the lab tests were inconclusive. They couldn't even get any numbers. They had to keep coming back and taking her blood. And God spoke to me. It was in that time that the healing came. Because later on they said that everything was fine. That everything was normal. God stepped up for us. Everybody wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to be in the circumstances that it takes. You know, everybody wants to look at the king and say, we are not careful to answer in this matter. If you put us in the furnace, God is able. But nobody really wants to go in the furnace. God spoke to me this morning during worship. He said that resurrection power is actually the authority over time go back to a point in time where death, before death overcame that person he said that you will never walk in that authority looking at your watch on Sunday morning he said you'll never walk in that authority see God has a West Point an elite academy and it's right here and this is where he raises up those that will go out and change the world from here death can't flee the room if he was never in there but you've got to bust up in there and you've got to say no. This, this, this ain't how this is going to end up. I promise you. If you wait until things are looking badly to start praying, it's a little like putting the guy driving the tank after the battle's already started. Yeah, God will equip you when he sends you in there, but you're better off already having a battle plan before you ever step onto the field. You know, look at what David had turned these men, this ragtag bunch of men that God chose him to lead. Look at what David turned, turned those guys into. When they, by the end of things, when they stepped on the battlefield, everybody was like, oh my gosh, here they come. It's time to run. Next. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord gave me this this morning, and I have been freaking out since he's told me this. So I'm trying to breathe. Whew, hallelujah. The three words that changed everything. You know, in a relationship, there are three words that changes everything. What are they? I love you. Especially, now it really changes it. If you say, I love you, and you're like, No, I went out on the limb and there's nothing here. Cricket, 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 cricket. 
That changes relationship too, let's be honest, okay? <laughs> can, can I tell you that yesterday I had the opportunity to be at the Cleveland Indians game. It was a beautiful day. And about midway through the game, they had Baker Mayfield up on the, uh, up on the screen, all right? And Baker was there and all of his all of his uh, beard and all that and all of his glory wearing a red Indian's new uniform and his new blonde girlfriend right next to him. And then there was this guy next to him and his girlfriend, and who knows who he was? He's a nobody. He's like me, a nobody. But he knew Baker Mayfield, all right? Because he knew Baker Mayfield, that put him up in a loge, all right, in the, in the stadium and on TV. I went on Twitter. They're everywhere. And here's this guy, big ears like me. Hey, I'm here. I'm at the Indians game. <laughs> all right. Yeah, go Baker. All right. I would tell you today, the Lord has something special because you're a friend of his today. Ooh, hallelujah. My friend, my boss, ex-boss, his wife was a administrator for one of the politicians in Ohio. Right. And so every time they had a hoop to do down in Columbus or Cleveland and everything, she had to go. But guess who also went with her? Her husband. No matter what. So he, he rubbed elbows with all the important people of Ohio. Can I tell you today, you have a friend that's greater than that. Can someone say amen? The Word of God says this in Hebrews. The second verse in the ninth and tenth, it says, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, for it became him. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about the cross. And here Jesus is, his hands and his feet have been pierced. He has been beaten, and the Old Testament says that he has been beaten more than any man. And he's sitting there, and his blood is flowing down from the cross. And he lifts up his head toward heaven, and he says these three words. This changes everything. And what those three words are, it is finished that's what he said and the word says he bowed his head and gave up the ghost i'm here to tell you today hallelujah that no matter what you face the lord says it is finished hallelujah sin it is finished hallelujah the way of life that you think you should be living it is finished hallelujah Woo! and they don't light your stove you need to change your matches hallelujah Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Those three words changed everything because he became death. What does that mean, Brother Jeff? That means when this time John is over, I'm not going to go see death cold and heartless. I'm going to go see my friend. Hallelujah. And he's going to take me to the other side where my family is at. Hallelujah. You know, there's some who want to believe that death is just nothing, that you die and you stop existing. Oh, they are so wrong. What does Jesus say? <laughs> he said, they, <laughs> hallelujah. There was three, he said. Who'd he say? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's not the God of the dead. 
whatever you're facing, whatever you are piled up in your life and you've allowed it to buckle you down, your knees feel like they want to hit the ground. Hallelujah. Give your life to Jesus today and give it to him. For you see, he is death. He's going to bring death to your sin, to the life, and he's going to lift you up and make you a child of God. Hallelujah. David, I feel like you could be more effective if you get animated a little bit. If you'd start to feel this thing. Listen, I mean this sincerely. These, these people that have gotten up and shared. I know, church, I know churches that don't get as much word in 45 minutes as each of these guys have shared in five. I'm telling you the truth. Amen? Can we let them know we appreciate their ministry? Amen. I want to share with you, and I've got a timer going for me too. Jesus said this. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You, you ever want to feel inadequate, become a pastor? I mean that. I can't tell you the number of times that I thought to myself, they didn't ever train me for this. They never trained me for this. I'm in an emergency room, and I'm only pastor of five people, and one of them is on the, on the bed, and, and they're doing CPR. That's my adult Sunday school teacher. And I'm like, what do you do? His family hasn't made it to the hospital yet. What do you do? What do you do when God says, I want you to lay your hands on his forehead and pray for him? When a family that's dear to you, after a long struggle, she gets pregnant, but she gets pregnant with five. And the doctors try to encourage her that she needs to get rid of four. And her beliefs are that you can't do that. And what do you say to a young father when he calls you up and says, Pastor, I can't afford to have the cemetery dig the grave for my children can you come help me what do you what do you do what do you do when you're sitting in a hospital room waiting for a family to come and they have no idea that their mother is dead hospital just called them to the hospital in the middle of the night and said you need to come, come over here and you're the only one on this planet that knows their mom is dead. And they're going to walk through the door. And the first thing they're going to see is you and then dead mom. Well, you're talking about feeling inadequate. And people call you to come because they're hurting. I get that. Jesus doesn't say, call to me and I'll come. It's only two times that I can find in Scripture where he was called to come someplace. Come, my daughter is sick. Come, Lazarus is sick. 
Both times he arrived late. You see, when Jesus speaks, he's different than you and I. His words are spirit and they are life. And when he says come, he's releasing something. So when he says to you and I come, he's saying to the dead daughter, daughter, arise. Now you and I would think, well, that's just stupid. She's dead. If she could arise, you wouldn't be talking to her. But he says to her, arise. He, he turns to the blind men and he says, you go down, find the river and wash yourself and then you'll be healed. And I'm sure one of them wanted to say, if we could find the river, you get it? They tore the roof off the, uh, the, the, the place where he was teaching and they lowered him down and Jesus says, get up. And I'm sure somebody wants to say, dude, if he could get up. Are you getting this? What you have to understand is that when he released that word, everything changed. And when he says to you and I through his written word, come. That thing that's telling you that you can't take another step, you can't last another moment, you can't go another mile, all of that just changed because Jesus said, come. Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's our special guest speaker today at Encounter. All of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website, godenc.com. Messages from Bishop Michael Rice are freely available on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.